Hey there, SLP. You are listening to this podcast, so I know that you love to listen to podcasts. And if that is the case, then I know that you are going to love my secret private podcast, Secondary Secrets for SLPs. It's six short episodes that will have you walking away feeling refreshed and inspired and ready to take on those challenging secondary speech students. So if you work with grades four through 12 and are in a planning rut or wanting some fresh new ideas to keep your students motivated, make sure you head to speechtimefun.com slash secondary secrets. You are not going to find this podcast in your iTunes podcast search browser. You can only get access by going to that link. So head to it now. It is six short episodes that you can listen to it in under an hour, like totally Netflix binge-worthy. I made this just for you, and I know you are going to love it. SLPs have been telling me already that it has changed their way for working with their older speech students. So head on over, again, to speechtimefund.com slash secondarysecrets, or use the link in the show notes, and I can't wait to hear what you think. Now let's head on to this week's episode of SLP Coffee Talk. You are listening to SLP Coffee Talk. I am your host, Hallie Sherman, and I am a licensed speech-language pathologist who is in the trenches working full-time in a public school in New York. I am the author of the blog and Teachers Pay Teachers store, Speech Time Fun, where I love helping other SLPs conquer the overwhelm and get back hours spent on prepping activities. I am here to help you be the best SLP you can be and have fun while doing it. Just like your morning cup of coffee, this podcast is just what you need to start the day or week. Let's jump into today's Coffee Talk. Welcome to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. I am so excited to have a very special guest today, Gabby from Language and Lattes. If you're not familiar with her, she is an awesome SLP, also working with older speech students. She's always sharing awesome therapy ideas on her Instagram account. She has a Teachers Pay Teachers account, and she really is a great resource if you're looking for relevant, practical, low-prep therapy ideas that will keep your students motivated. When Gabby graduated into that. 2001 from speech and language. Her career with she started with students in sixth to eighth grade. She didn't expect to fall in love with that age group, but she really originally found it challenging. But then started collaborating and connecting with other SLPs, and she really is enjoying now sharing therapy ideas that she's utilizing with her speech students because she loves this age group so much. Over the years, even though her students are older, she realized that she can still have fun and build connections with them. So, Gabby, thank you so much for joining me on the show here. Thank you so much for having me. What a great intro. <laughs> it's true. It is true. You know, w- working with the older ones, it's either like you have that issue with like, you know, do I just utilize their textbooks? Like, what do I do? How do I get their buy-in? They've been in speech for years and it can be fearful. Like I know when I first started with my older ones, I was like, is this really where I want to be? How do I make this most meaningful for them? And, you know, I tried every bribery under the sun and it really took a couple of years to find that like momentum. Yeah, for sure. I definitely felt the same, especially at first. I think also in grad school, at least with me and my program, like they don't prepare you for working with this age group. It's either preschool, you know, early intervention, preschool, maybe some elementary, but I I don't even think I 
realized that older students, like especially high school students, even middle high school have speech. I didn't know that was a thing. And part of it is like, I didn't do an externship in the school, so I didn't see that. So it was like a big adjustment for me and definitely trying to figure out like, well, what's relevant for them and how do I get them to want to come or want to work with me? And I mean, even nine years later, like it's still sometimes a challenge, but you know, you get some tricks in your tool bag and you figure, you know, you figure what works. Exactly, exactly. And I really truly find that when you do have those successful moments and those aha moments with the students, when you it makes it all worthwhile. When you yeah. see their eyes light up like, wow, I got that right. Like, yes, I did it. It's like, yes, I was that person that got them to be like successful. Yeah, it was actually in like that, just reminding me that today I was, was working with a student and I had helped them with something and they had showed it to me. Like they used whatever we were working on on their little assignment that they had and they showed it to me and they got like a nice grade on it. They were so proud of themselves and they were excited to show me. So that felt really nice. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And then moments make it worth it. (laughs) Yes, and it just shows also that you have that rapport with them, that you are that person that they want to share that with. Yeah. So on that topic, what are your best tips for building rapport with your older speech students? Oh, man. I feel like at the beginning of the year is like the time to establish that if you're starting. I mean, sometimes people come in the middle of the year. But either way, I feel like you need to take, you know, a few sessions in the beginning to just kind of get to know them, kind of hear their interests, right? And so that way you could use that in your sessions. And I find myself spending like the first couple of sessions in the beginning of the year, just icebreakers, even if like I've already had them. Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, they've just had a whole summer, they change, right? Their interests um, might have changed. They might not be into sure. Minecraft anymore. They might now be in for, uh, into Fortnite. Like. Sure. And especially like as they go from seventh through eighth grade or even sixth through seventh, whatever, they're a year older now, you know? Mm-hmm. So just taking that time in the beginning to reestablish that relationship or if they're new students, like the new incoming kids to spend minimum two sessions, just, mm-hmm. you know, doing a survey, playing a game, doing some icebreakers. That always helps. Definitely. And I find that throughout the year, the best way to keep that rapport going is always just when they walk in the door, I'm always like, so how's your day? How's your weekend? How are you doing on your tests? Like, and I find that my students don't, no one's asking them that. Yeah, definitely. Because in class, they come in and they're going straight to work and it's mm-hmm. a full classroom. So I feel like we have this advantage to have the small group with them, right? And mm-hmm. that's too. I, I didn't even realize that's kind of like a establishing rapport. It is. It's asking. like maintaining rapport, I guess, yeah. if you want to be like technical. There you go. Establishing <laughs> rapport every single, t- every single session. And then uh, it ends up being yeah. a filler while we're waiting for the rest of the group to yes. show up. I don't know about you. My speech students like to come on their own. Like I'm not going yeah. to get them. So while we're waiting for them, I'm not going to get started and have to like restart a million times. So we're just like chatting about the week. Yeah. We talk about like what interesting things happen like in the hallway in the morning like I'm like yeah tell me they're like surprised that someone actually wants to know like what the latest TikTok move is or this and that I'm like no show me it like let's go and I remember actually once you shared some because my students tend to do this I think it was like after a holiday break but they'll still do this over the weekend you had said that you asked them like what'd you do over the break or over the weekend and they're like nothing Mm-hmm. Like, oh, did you stare at a wall? Mm-hmm. And so it my is- students, I remember when I watched one of your stories on that, it made me laugh because they do that all the time. So then I'll probe them, like, tell me more. No, you didn't just stare at a wall. What did you do? You know? Mm-hmm. You it's that so true. It's true. And yes, a lot of my students, like I work in a you know, low income district. And so a lot of them don't do much. They're not going right. to museums or, you know, even restaurants or anything like that. But I just had to tell them that any experience is something like, did you watch a movie? That's exciting. Did you watch a YouTube video? 
you did something. Sure. Eat food. That is great. Let's re- let's celebrate that. Like, yeah. did you go to the bathroom. Like, like that, that, that is awesome. Right. That <laughs> they like when you ask about them. And sometimes it's almost like then you're like, wait, okay, we need to stop. And now, now we do need to move on. Mm-hmm. So. I always say to them, if you stared at the wall, what color was it? And they're like, oh, yeah. no. and uh-huh. they're like, so you didn't stare at the wall the whole time because you didn't know what color I was off the top of your head really fast. Uh-huh. I should start <laughs> tallying how many times my students say that whenever I ask them. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So everyone today because it's monday ask your students what they did over the weekend if they say nothing try that with them say you did not stare at the wall okay yep. guys? <laughs> <laughs> and see the giggles or the eye rolls but guess what you're going to get oh, more information out of them Definitely. and you and finding out what they did over the weekend also helps you can like be like oh they were into this let me go find articles on that topic or let me f- utilize mm-hmm. that interest in some sort of way in your speech session so i always use those pieces of information that they give me to like get their buy-in later on Definitely. right mm-hmm. where do you other than like teachers pay teachers and things like that what are your favorite go-to's for materials and resources for your older speech students <laughs> I find myself using two websites that I'm sure most therapists are using, but I love Museale for my articles. And also most of my students are familiar with it because they're using it in class mm-hmm. and your ELA class, history, science. I and mean, I also like ReadWorks just because for Museale is my nonfiction go-to and then ReadWorks is where I might go if I want like stories. So those are definitely my top two. And, and anyone not familiar, both of those resources are free. All you need is a login. Okay. That's the best part. <laughs> yeah, and I love that re- News ELA, you can differentiate by Lexiles. Yes. Like you can say mm-hmm. every single article has like three or four different, you know, reading levels available. ReadWorks, you can just sort by the reading level. You just can't change the text that you find. Yeah. What do you like to do? What strategies, what techniques, what things do you like to do differently? Like I always say, if you give a student a reading passage and you expect them to be successful, do they need to be doing the lesson speech? No, right? It's like you said yourself, teachers are utilizing these same websites. So what are some things you like to do with your speech students so that you're utilizing these resources differently than yeah. the classroom teachers? Well, first I'll start by saying, because you mentioned the levels, and I know that 100% in the classes, like they're not which is silly almost because most of my students are reading way below grade level. They're actually not having the students go at their level. They're having them read it at grade level. So I already feel right away that most of my students are not really getting the most of that article. Some of them might, some of the higher level students, but really the low level, like the students who are reading at third grade level and that are in a sixth or seventh grade classroom are really going to struggle unless you're there and you're reading it with them and you're not there every day. So I try to find articles that try to make them at their level, maybe one above just to challenge them, depending on the article. A lot of the times I start with like chunking the article into those paragraphs. I mean, they're already in paragraphs, so that Mm -hmm. just makes our job easier. And actually showing them how to annotate. Like I'll start, because that's what they're expected to do, but the teachers don't really spend time. They tell them to annotate, but they don't really spend time teaching them what to write on those margins, right? So it's almost like we're working on main idea or summarizing, right? So if you're working on that strategy with your student, you could apply it to the news ELA article. Mm-hmm. Um, my students, even though they're expected to annotate and they're told to annotate, they still never annotate. Mm-hmm. Like just, either they don't do it or the annotations are not accurate. Yeah. Mine just copy it or like, especially like, you know, those students where they say, okay, like underline or highlight something important that like highlighting everything. The whole thing, yes. The whole thing. They struggle to figure out what is like important. What is is that key factor that is relevant that they don't understand the strategy enough even. Right. 
the and the text itself. So there's like those two factors. So those are different things that we can do with our speech students, showing them what is relevant and how yeah. to summarize and how to annotate and also teaching them about our thinking about our thinking. Like, yeah. what do you think about when you're about to annotate? Yeah. And, and don't be afraid to model. Yeah, and definitely talking out loud about what that paragraph is about. Even if like for some students, when you hand them, I know mine get like overwhelmed a little bit or frustrated, like I'm giving them something to read. But so even you could chop up that UCLA article, take some scissors, chop it up, and you could do like paragraph by paragraph. So maybe they think they're reading less, they're still reading, you know, the whole article, but working on chunking or annotating in that way. A lot of times also I know in the class they're doing those questions. Those questions are a little more like test preppy. I'm not a huge fan of those, but they still they actually drive me crazy. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I feel like the answer, there could be more than one right answer. <laughs> I but, struggle with them sometimes. Yeah, they're the worst, I actually. But I think they're similar to like the test prep questions. So mm -hmm. I think at the state test, if like I'm helping Proctor or whatever, they're very similar questions. But still, aside from the answer choices, like we could work on breaking down those questions. What is it asking? Maybe finding a simpler way. Like what is it asking without all those words in mm -hmm. there? You know, so breaking down the questions. And again, it depends on the level, because I think the lower level, the questions tend to be a little easier, right? I think the questions change. I think so. I think so. But what you could also do is you can give them the text of the lower level. I don't know if I, I don't know if they change the questions. I never I checked that. The wording of it. Yeah, Maybe, but you could also always print out the harder questions with the right. text. Yeah, so and then break it down, exposed, right? This way they can get exposed to it. So it's not, yeah. it's another option. Yeah. I mean, I love to, t I tend for the majority of the time tend to like create my own questions yeah. and not use the ones there but it is important to every once in a while show them the questions because they do yeah. need to you know, know how to do them in the classroom yeah. or how to attack those questions yeah but I also tend to I actually don't even use those questions I'm just I mentioned that because they're doing it in class mm -hmm. but if I do my own questions it has to do with you know what are they work they're working on literal type of questions I'll make mm -hmm. my own for that and then we can work on the different types of WH questions, like what is each question asking, or maybe they're able to answer higher level questions. So we'll do that. And mm -hmm. I tend to make my own say with the vocabulary. I don't always like use the words that are in the article. I might choose my own that might apply and have them find evidence from the text. So it depends, depends on the student what we're doing. Totally, totally. And I love that just printing out an article, you can target so many goals, like yeah. so mm -hmm. perfect for mixed groups. You can have, you know, one student working on context clues, another one working on main idea, another one working on literal questions. Another, I mean, there's so many possibilities, like someone can work on summarizing. I mean, sky really is the limit. Yep. Yeah. I so. feel like sometimes I'll print out if planning what I'm doing for the week, you have one article and it could be for like every single group. Mm -hmm. Just have something, a different activity ready for each of them. Just even if it's, Love you know, it. well, one group is a vocabulary. So you're going to target that with that group, you know, mm -hmm. it's, just, it's perfect. It's planning super easy. Yeah. And that's how you can like plan with ease and confidence without burning yourself out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the best, the best way to do therapy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. What are your best tips for collaborating with teachers? Because here, you know, you're doing all this like test prep kind of like activities in your speech room. How do you ensure more carryover? What are your tips and tricks for that? Yeah, um, I mean, that's hard. I think it depends. I've, I've spoken to a lot of therapists about this, and I think it depends like what kind of school you work in. Some people work in really big, big schools, and so it makes it harder. But I would say like pick one or two teachers. I mean, again, if you're in a really big school, it's going to be hard to collaborate with every single teacher. It's just not possible, right? So pick teachers that you're, you're comfortable with, that you're close with. I cannot attend meetings every single week, so I try to email the teachers or like pop in in the morning and just check in about certain students. You know, I might ask 
uh, or tell the teacher like what we've been working on. So maybe they could try to remind the student about something. But email is like the best way that I tend to communicate because I could do it from anywhere. I could do it on my way home from work. I can do it in the morning. And at some point, the teacher will get back to me. And a lot of times I ask them to just share it. Most teachers in my school will do lesson plans on um, Google Docs. So they just share it with me. It's not always consistent, but, you know, whenever I could get something, it's helpful too. Totally. Just sharing with them what we're working on as well. Exactly. Exactly. You know, at least you could say, I hate to say you tried the best you can. Yeah. We're human. You don't, can't get yeah. down on yourself for not you know, reaching out to every single teacher every single time, but right. as long as there's contact here and there, and as long as they know that they're, that you're open to the dialogue. And also one thing to add a lot of times, and I feel like teachers would really appreciate this. Like if we have a word bank that we're using with them or like a vocabulary chart or something, like it doesn't hurt to share it with them. Cause a lot of times when I've done that, the teachers have used it for the whole class, mm-hmm. not just for those students. That's a really good way to collaborate. And then they might come to you and ask like, hey, do you have a graphic organizer for writing, I don't know, an essay or argumentative this or that or whatever. So, and that's the goal, right? When they, when they reach out to you to ask for support exactly. or help. And that takes time, I think, too. And, you know, the longer you're at a school, the more comfortable you feel it doesn't happen right away. Totally, especially when you start working with the same teachers over and over again. Like your students happen to always be in those same classes. Like, you know, there's t- tends to be patterns of where my students end up. So, and, you know, also on that same note, like, although we always like to, you know, knock the fact that as SLPs, we have to sometimes show up to meaningless workshops. Sometimes I do like sitting in on those trainings because I like to see what the teachers are expected to do in the classroom. Not like I want to be doing exactly what they're doing. Like I sat through a training where the teachers were trained on tier two vocabulary words. And like everyone was surprised that I already knew about that. And I'm like, and I was surprised that they never heard of it. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. They're learning something new. And it was interesting seeing like there is a lot of eyes light up about the concept of the different tiers of vocabulary and yeah. they were surprised. So every once in a while, it's okay to step you know, into those trainings and, yeah. and have, and maybe, you know, put the photo. Away yeah. I think even if just show your face that you exist, yeah. right? Because it depends. Some therapists aren't pushing in, right? So maybe teachers could go, I don't know, weeks or like a month without seeing that person. So showing up every once in a while is also a great way to kind of even just meet the teachers or, mm-hmm. you know, just communicate with them for sure. Exactly. Cause I feel like so many, I mean, teachers, they think we're working on the R sound still. Yeah. Oh my God. And like, I'll be yeah. sitting in like meetings and I'll be telling them how their students are progressing to like, Oh, you're working on that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh my yeah. God. That, that took years. I, I, did, did, I did send you an email about that. I swear. Uh-huh. <laughs> Actually a really good thing to do is uh, during better speech and hearing month. I used, to, I think I had like one year where I did like all these cute things and I realized like, that's not for me. I don't have time for that. Yeah. So now like every, whatever, whatever better speech and hearing month is in May, I send out an email just to like some kind of funny email, but in it, I like describe, even though it's like the same teachers reading what I do and what we work on. And even though they might think we do this, this is what we do. That's so so that helps. Yeah. Just a little reminder. Mm-hmm. You know? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Buy> anything. <laughs> Seriously. You know, and then on that note, like also like our students sometimes think they, they don't even realize why they're coming to speech and they nope. think like, they, they say, Hey, I can speak fine. Why am I here? Yeah. And so I have on my wall, you know, all the different types of goals. I have like little emojis that say, you know, comprehension, vocabulary, mm-hmm. listening, grammar, you know, and then I have articulate, I have, you know, those things. And, and then, and I'm like, so which one do you, I point to them. I go pick, look on that wall. What are we working on right now? Yeah. And they're right. like, oh, we're working on answering questions. I go, yes. 
Yes. That's why you're here. Uh-huh. That is a good <laughs> Don't be afraid to make your students aware of their goals. I'll show you your older ones. Like if you want to know how to get their buy-in, like let them know why they're there. Yes. Sure. <laughs> I try to do, I have to be more consistent. I mean, we do that in the beginning of the year and I'm working on being more consistent with doing that, like throughout sessions, especially if like it's a new strategy to remind them like why we're doing it, where they could use it. I've been trying really hard this year to remember to do that. Cause in my head, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I know why I'm doing it, but mm-hmm. you're right. Like they don't even, they don't really know most of the time, like why they're there, what they have to do or how this is going to help them. Mm-hmm. And my last question would be, cause this is something that, you know, I know a lot of people listening are probably wondering about dismissal for your older speech students how do you make the determination whether it's what or if it's to keep them on or is it time for them to graduate yeah man that's a hard one what I usually look at is I'm looking if they're able to if they're independent in the classroom they could keep up with the work that they're doing and even like it's very likely that my students all of our students are never going to be at grade level Mm -hmm. which is okay but the goal is that they're using strategies and they're able to compensate for some of their struggles so when i'm seeing that a student is able to keep up with the work i'm looking at their grades if they have pretty decent grades they're okay or like the learning specialist or that's what we call the special ed teacher is able to help them you know in the classroom they don't really need me you know, mm-hmm. but that's the goal. That's what, like, I always tell my students, once I see that you could do all of these things on your own and figure out ways and then ask for help, figure out, like, what to do when they're stuck on their own, then it's time to say bye. Okay. Did you hear that, guys? It's not a life sentence for them. It is possible. And, and making them aware of that and having that dialogue with your older speech students yeah. will get their buy-in to maybe try a little harder. So, Shelly, if you're struggling yeah. to get their motivation, like, have that conversation with them. Like, hey, if you want to be done with me, yeah. <laughs> if you want to graduate from me, yeah. this, is, this is what we're working on, and this is what I need to see. And, 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 and it's okay to make mistakes. It's yeah. a matter of knowing what to do to fix it or, yeah. you know, overcome the mistakes. Yeah, because I'm like a lot of the students that I dismissed are not necessarily if I tested their reading level or the teacher test their reading level, they're not going to be at whatever grade level they are, but they're using so many strategies that they've learned either from us or from their teachers. They're asking for help and support. So they're okay. Mm -hmm. That's the goal. (laughs) <laughs> okay because i i know many people you know wonder what should i still work on I, i've worked on this i worked on that like do i keep working on it? i'm like well if they if they've if they mastered it they mastered it and right. and a mastery doesn't need to be 100 percent. you know it's a matter of are they able to carry over some skills and strategies and be more independent about yeah. it so uh-huh. thank you so much for joining us here on the SLP Coffee Talk. I hope everyone got in so much out of this episode where we talked about, you know, utilizing NewsELA and ReadWorks.org and not being afraid to, you know, chunk the paragraphs, teach your students how to annotate, teach, use those main idea strategies. If you have to write your own questions or if you're using the questions that are provided, don't be afraid to teach them how to reword and simplify those questions. Don't be afraid to change the reading levels. You can use those resources for a variety of goals. And, and make things academically relevant. Uh, don't be afraid to communicate with the teachers and having that open dialogue. Build that rapport with your students. Under, have them understand why they are there and then get their buy-in so they can work hard and eventually graduate from us. So Gabby, tell everyone where they can learn more about you and see what you are up to. Yeah, so if you're interested in following along, you could um, search for me on Instagram at language and lattes. So I share lots of ideas over there. And I highly recommend you go check her out. You're going to get tons of ideas and that you can use right away with your students that don't involve much prep. And so I have, I figured it would be appropriate to do an academically relevant joke of the week. So this week's joke, what is the smartest state? Alabama. 
It has four A's and one B. Oh, I love uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm, I'm nervous. I thought I had to answer that one. <laughs> uh, no, I wouldn't do that to you. <laughs> but it's also another way to build rapport with your speech students. So while they're walking in the door, I always have my students they're answering the joke and we're talking about the humor of it, the vocabulary. And then especially some of your students that are trying to fit in and this and that, they have now a joke to like go off and tell their friends and family. So it's a little fun way of uh, bringing in humor into the speech room. So thank you so much, Gabby. Everyone go check Gabby out and I will see everyone next week on SLP Coffee Talk. Stay out of trouble. Are you looking for more practical and relevant professional development from someone actually in the trenches? Are you sick and tired of sitting through pointless workshops and conferences not relevant to you as a speech-language pathologist? Make sure you check out Speech Time Fun PD, short mini-courses filled with practical ideas you can actually use right away. Each mini-course comes with free bonus Teachers Pay Teachers resources so that you can use these ideas and activities right away without needing to prep anything new. Enroll today at speechtimefun.com slash courses. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. You can find all of the links and information mentioned in this episode at www.speechtimefun.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any future episodes. While you are there, it would mean the world to me if you would take a few seconds and leave me an honest review. See you next week with another episode full of fun and inspiration from one SLP to another. Have fun, guys.